You better be nice. Well, we're in a series coming out of the book of Ruth. It's uh, one that I enjoy the book of Ruth. It's probably my second favorite book in the Bible. I know, judge me. I shouldn't have a favorite. (laughs) Judge me. Shouldn't have a favorite. Hmm. But here we are in the book of Ruth. And in this book, we've, we've put together a do different. And we all know that we have had things in our lives that's caused us to do differently. And the unfortunate side of that coin is a lot of it tends to be what life gives us. Um, we stop doing this or another because what life has presented. Life put a fork in the road and it caused us as, well, I hate putting it that way, but that's just the way it is. When, when life presents something in front of us that we don't feel that we can overcome, we have a tendency to go the other direction. Instead of standing and, and causing life to give way to the power that we carry, through Christ, we have a tendency to bow to the world and we go the other direction because, oh, that's too big for me, that's too heavy for me, or I can't do that. And, well, you don't understand. See, I've heard those stories for years. You don't understand, Pastor. You've not been there. You've not gone through what I've gone through. You've not experienced what I've experienced. You don't know what it's like, Pastor. Can I tell you I do? Um. I mean, yeah, I, I may not have experienced the exact same thing, and, and everybody has their different things, but it causes us to do different. So in the book of Ruth, God gave me this some years ago, and we've, I've been toying with this and reading this and playing with this, and the understanding that I get out of this is that when we decide to give our hearts to Christ, when we surrender our lives to him and we are willing to call him lord with our salvation comes a demand that is pressed on our life that calls for us to do different see we can't act the same way we used to act we 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 shouldn't talk the same way we talked we shouldn't be what we used to be we're we're to take off the old man and put on the new but too many of us we walked around i've given this scenario several times of trying on a new suit over top of an old garment it just doesn't fit right it can be the same suit in the same store and you could be the same size of your friend that you took with you and their suit fits better because they took off their old to put on the new and you're trying to put your new over top of your old and you're frustrated and we want to know why christianity is so hard to walk out because we are trying on a new garment while holding on to our old Come on, church. I wonder how many of us in here can be honest with ourselves this morning and say that there's, that there's a portion. It might just be a sock, but there's a portion that we're trying on new garments over top of the old self. See, we, we can put away self on, on Sunday, partially, and come to church 
No, we come, but we have an attitude. That's why I say partially. We don't want to go, but we go. We're reluctant, but we come anyway. It's cold outside, but we're going to push. I mean, God bless your soul. So with that being said, I've, I thought we were going to move into chapter 2, but I think I'm going to hang out in chapter 1 for a brief moment. Um, and if you know me at all, brief doesn't mean anything. Um, so let's go, let's go to Ruth. Let's go to Ruth. Y'all ready? Let's go to Ruth. Let's talk a little bit about Ruth, what, what's been going on. We, we talked last Sunday about them meeting in this road now. They, they've got a, they come to the road of decision. And, and Naomi is telling Ruth and telling Orpah to go back. Just go back. And may God tend to you and bless you and be good to you like you have been with us and the dead. Just go back and stay, stay in your mother's house. And, well, Naomi, she doesn't really understand that there was going to be one that was going to take her up on it and one that wasn't. And Ruth was bound and determined that she was going to cling to Naomi. See, when you, when you walk differently and you have something in your life, people have a tendency to hold on to that just to see where it might take them. Can I tell you that when you accept Christ, won't you act like it? You might be surprised the people that you might lead to Christ just because you decided this time that you didn't give them the two cents that you wanted to give them, that you held your tongue. Oh, y'all still fighting with that. I know. James understands that too, holding the tongue. I get it. Why are you looking at me? She looked at me like I have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. I let my tongue go. But don't we all, don't we struggle with that? But if, man, if we could just, if we could be, if we could be what God is calling us to be at the moment, how many people's lives could we change in our silence? Probably change more in the silence than you would with your words. So Naomi's telling them, go back, go back. And they both, the Bible said that they started to cry out. No, we're going to stay with you. We're going with you. We love you. We're not going. And Orpah, Orpah decides that she's going to give her a, an outward gesture of how much she loved them. Husbands, every once in a while, we get this gesture too. They'll walk by. They'll give you a kiss on the cheek. They say they love you in the whole time. Boy, they hating on you right then because you didn't went and done something that you shouldn't have done. You said something you shouldn't have said. <laughs> right? Women, y'all say, everyone smile the husband. Look, y'all make us mad too. We'll walk by you. We'll give you a kiss on the cheek, pat you on the head, and go on down the road. <laughs> Because we know it's better to mumble outside than it is in the house. Right? It's cold outside. We don't want to sleep in the doghouse. But that's, that is what Orpah, Orpah went to Naomi and she kissed her on the cheek as a gesture of, oh, we love you. And in the same breath, she turns and goes back. I wonder how many times we've been told, 
love you. <clears throat> love you. I'll trip you while you're walking. Love you. I mean, it's the outward gestures every once in a while. But see, it, you, actions speak louder than words. So here's Orpah turning back. And we talked about her going back to Moab. And we, we figured out that Moab come from and stands for perverted teaching. Because Moab was that firstborn son, remember, of Lot and Sarah. And the two girls, they took their father, got him drunk, and they both laid with their father. And the oldest daughter, she laid first, then told to the youngest daughter. The youngest daughter, she laid also. They both give children to Lot, but the oldest daughter gave the first child, the first son, and named him Moab. See, it's perverted teaching, and that's where they end up. So that's where they're at, and that is where she has grown up. She understands Moab. See, it's just like the church. I see the church represented in, in, in the book of Ruth a lot because I see, I see a group, Orpah, that refuse to turn away from any teaching that they've ever had. And it's not that the teaching was the correct teaching. It was perverted teaching. Come on. Okay, well, let me help you. If you give me $100, God's going to bless you with millions. Is that perverted teaching or is that right teaching? It's perverted teaching, right? Come on, help me. It's not that God doesn't bless you and keep from the devourer eating up all of your stuff when you do decide to give, but to manipulate the word to cause the word to work on your behalf based on what you know out of a perverted teaching, that's wrong. And what that will do, it will cause you as a Christian to stay stagnant in your faith. God is expecting us to go from glory to glory and faith to faith. He's never wanting us to stay still. You never find a place where God is setting still. God's always moving. And he wants to take you with him. But because of your grandmother's church and your grandmother's grandmother's church and how they used to teach and Come on, we talked about this too, wailing at the altar. And you've got to stay up here for 16 hours before you can get saved. I mean, come on. You have people beating you in the back the whole time you're trying to give your heart to Christ. You can't have no intimacy with God because everybody else is all up in the bedroom. Come on, church. And the whole time the Holy Spirit is trying to draw you into a place. But you can't get there because you got everybody else tugging on you. No, you can't say it like that. You have to say it like this. It's like people teaching you how to speak in tongues. You can't teach that. That's it. That's it. Yeah, but, 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 yeah, that's it. No, it's not it. You'll know it. You'll know it. Without a doubt, you'll know it. And Ruth, Ruth being the other church, Ruth decides, man, I'm at a point in my life that I understand what I've been taught. And some of it may have been good grounding, but even the Bible warns us on this and says to build up on the elementary teachings. It doesn't mean to discard the teachings. It means to take those teachings, allow those to be your foundation and build up on it. God is trying to take you from here to there. You're always going forward. And in order to go forward, you've got to be willing to leave some things behind. 
But we won't do that. We want to keep holding on and then we want to fight because the new wine in the old wineskin has now caused the old wineskin to burst. And now not only have you wasted the wine, but you've wasted the skin. So now you've given up on your faith. Oh, come on. Be it's not that some of the things that the pastors and teachers don't tell you behind the pulpit that they're not right. It's not that they're not right. The fact is you're trying to move into this revelatory teaching with an old wineskin and you think that you've got to do it a certain way. God's trying to do it a different way. And because he doesn't do it the way you think it ought to happen. Come on, it's just okay. Let me take you a little deeper. If there's any sick among you, call upon the elders of the church and they shall anoint your head with oil and pray the prayer of faith and the sick shall recover. Is that not what the word says? Amen. So if that's what the word says, I have to ask you this question. When you come to the altar and you call upon the elder of the church and you're sick and we anoint your head with oil and we pray the prayer of faith and you do not get healed. We talked, man, we, we talked about this on Wednesday. If we don't recognize a revelation at the moment that it is presented, and we fail to walk into that revelation, the revelation is what causes your faith to act. Have you, has God ever said something to you? It's just called, it just went, the purple head, y'all remember the first? Just blows your, you go, Whoa, and can't nobody steer you from that? You know that you know that you know God spoke or God said a thing or God done a thing and you don't care what anybody, it's, it don't matter. I know what God said to me and you can call me a fool or whatever you want to call me, but I'm going with what God said, not what you say because you're trying to give me some perverted teaching I'm trying to move into this place, this place called Bethlehem. See, oh, I'm just trying to give you a little backdrop before we get into notes. Elimelech, which was the father, he decided for the family that they were going to leave Bethlehem, Judah. We talked about Bethlehem and what it stood for. It was the house of bread. It was the word. We talked about Judah, it's praise. This might be a long teaching. I'll sit down for just a minute. Bethlehem, the house of bread, the word. Judah, the praise. Put them together, you, you have an atmosphere. You have an atmosphere, you have a place in which the Bible says God lives. The Bible says that God inhabits, dwells, lives, takes up the praises of his people. That's where he abides. That is his abode. It's in the word and the praise of his people. If you open up the word, God's there, I promise you. That's the bread. That's the bread of life. If you're praising Jesus, 
That's where you magnify Him in your life. You magnify God by the praise. See, if you're trying to figure out why God ain't moved on your behalf, quit moaning and groaning because He ain't interested. See, He like me. I'm going to shut you down. <laughs> right? And we expect God to move all up in our situation when all we have coming out of our mouth is gripes and complaints. Oh, woe is me, not how great thou art. Oh, woe is me. The Bible says, enter into his presence with, and enter his courts with, see, y'all church people, y'all know that stuff. Elimelech, Elimelech decided to withdraw him and his family out of the atmosphere in which God had created for man to dwell. Tommy, go to, go to Genesis 2. Let's go to Genesis 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 8. Verse 8, verse 8, verse 8, verse 8. Get it off the screen, verse 8. <laughs> Y'all can read that scripture too, but I want verse 8. I don't really want you reading that scripture. I want you reading verse 8. But you can read that scripture. It's already up there. Tommy's going to get me to verse 8. There it is. Oh, I got it. I'm trying to get him to get it because I know y'all ain't got it. The Lord, now look, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you about atmosphere where God dwells. Okay? Understand, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put man. He first set up the atmosphere in which man was to dwell. He called this place the garden, the Garden of Eden. He made this place, he prepared this place, he took man and he put man there in the garden. And he said, here is where you will live. The stars, he made the sky first. Then he put stars in it. The fish. He made the water first. Then he put fish in it. If any, if anything, the ground, you got to put plants in the ground in order for them to live. If you take anything outside of the atmosphere in which it was created to survive in, it will eventually die. You with me? I didn't lose you there, right? So what we have is Elimelech moving his family outside of the word. Come on, church, follow me, please. And outside of the praise. What followed? Elimelech died. Both of his sons died. Think it might have rung a bell? I think it did. Naomi heard something that God had favored them again. God's given bread back to Bethlehem. She said, I'm going back over there because I know it was better. And we wonder why our lives, why our lives end up getting turned upside down. And we, we struggle. And we have issue. And the last time that we opened the Bible was last Sunday. In church. And that's because the pastor told you to open your Bible. 
Are y'all, don't be, don't be mad at me this morning. The last time that we sang a praise to God was last Sunday in church because the praise and worship leader said, let's stand. Come on. <laughs> don't, don't think it's guilt. It's, it's conviction. It's not guilt. And we wonder why we struggle so every day with this, that, or the other. And then we go to church. This is that perverted teaching. And we go to church because Jesus the genie in the sky. Remember? We rub him. We rub. Shoot, we think he comes out of this. This is just old. If I threw this in a trash can, I'm not going to go to hell. It's just a symbol. But we even, come on, you got people that, people think it's the oil so much so that they'll sell it to you online. Come on, anybody. The easy pastor, no, I ain't. It's perverted teaching. And it's going to take you to hell if you don't understand it. But we rub the genie in the sky right here. We, because we think if we, <laughs> Well, the scripture said they had to lay their hands on their head and the oil. And they... You ever pray for anybody and never had oil? It's not the oil. That's not the trick. This isn't a gimmick. It's not magic. It's the one the oil represents. See, if we're going to the oil, you're going to the wrong place, baby. You better get to going to Jesus. Because it was only him that was ever the... He, if it weren't for him, we wouldn't be anything. We would have nothing. We would lack everything. But it took Jesus. And Naomi is standing here talking to her daughters-in-law and telling her daughters-in-law... You go back and do your thing. Don't you come with me. I don't want you to come with me. Stay here. And Naomi took her, or uh, Orpah took her up on it. She stayed. See, let me tell you something. How many of you know that it is much easier in life to continue doing something when you have someone encouraging you the whole way? Or better yet, it's easier for you to make a decision when you have other people influencing your decision. If it was me, I'd leave him. I would leave him. I wouldn't put it. That's why I'm thinking, women, you better quit talking to other women that's got bitter relationships and that's had a hard time with men. And you better stop. You better find the ones that have grounded themselves in their marriage and say, sweetheart, it don't matter. You're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. But you made a choice. So in that choice, now you got to prove your love for the man or the woman that you've decided to give yourself to. But just because we got lazy Susie on the other side of the phone. She didn't want to work for her marriage. I wouldn't put up with her. That's why I told one of you, guess what? I ain't married to you. Get out my house. I said, you got to go. Hit it, Jack. You ain't coming up in there telling my wife, well, if it was me, I'd just tell it. It ain't you. 
Wrong house. Bye-bye. But that's what will happen in our life. And with Orpah making that decision, I wonder if she would have made the other decision if Naomi would have said, no, come with me. Come on, you can't stay here. If you stay here, then this is going to happen. She said, just come. Boy, don't that sound like Jesus. Jesus will invite you. He'll never make you. He'll cast the net. It's up to you whether you swim in it or not. The Holy Spirit will convict your heart. It's up to you whether you'll answer the call. He's already loved you. He, he showed you that 2,000 years ago on the cross. He already died for you. What's your response to him? Amen. You don't have to respond. Well, actually, you're going to respond either way. You're either going to reject him or accept him. So you're going to respond. It's just whatever the, your response is. But she wasn't sitting there trying to influence her to come. She was almost trying to, she was trying to influence them to stay. When you make a decision in your heart to follow Jesus, it's a personal decision you have to make to follow Jesus. And I loved it because we ended up last week on, I forgot what verse it was now, 2.18? Yes. Chapter 2, verse 18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. When Naomi figured out that Ruth was bound and determined she was going, she just stopped talking to her and said, all right, whatever. I wonder if that was one of those things that happens with us every once in a while when we tell Jesus how much we love him and God will do anything and we'll do it. And he goes, okay, let's see about that. And then he walks off and don't talk to you no more. He don't say nothing to you. He's not behind you encouraging you and pushing you. He wants to see if the decision that come out your mouth was what really boiled up out of your heart. Or if you was one of those people that their lips praise me, but their heart's far from me. He just put you in check and wanted to find out, do you really love me? He said, matter of fact, oh, wait a minute. Go to Genesis 2.17. Tommy, now you can go to there. Let me stop. Let me back up. Look, check this out. He, he, God's talking to Adam and telling him all, all the trees in the garden, you can have and eat anything that you want. He says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Oh, I really want to challenge. I really want to stretch you like this this morning, like Armstrong. I really want to just stretch you out there this morning, but I ain't got enough time to get in it. But check it out. You shall not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, let me ask this question. Did, and don't, don't get, don't put your white garb on and come up on me and check me this morning. Did they die when they ate? So they lived. They were alive. They weren't dead. They, they lived, right? Tommy, go to first John no, go to John five. Go to John six fifty four. Now look, I'll just hang with me, man. This hit me this morning like a bomb. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has 
eternal life. Go back to Genesis. But if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. All right, I'm going to just put this out here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to play with it a little while and you think about it and you meditate on it and you research it. I've always, I ain't going to say I always did. I'm 99% sure, convinced that the Garden of Eden wasn't a physical place but more so a spiritual place. It was an environment. It was an environment that man would live. What happened in the garden? All the time. What happened in the garden? There was worship and there was word. Was there not? It was all the time. God stepped down in the cool of the day and came and spoke to Adam and Eve. They would get good word. Can you imagine the conversations? But they, they were getting word and there was praise. And in that atmosphere, they had eternal life. What if this scripture is as the other scripture in the New Testament when Jesus talks about eating his flesh? What if, what if that scripture really doesn't mean, see this tree growing? Don't go over here and grab that apple. I'll say apple because that's what y'all associate it with. It could have been whatever. But what if it meant, now listen, don't go and eat of the worldly things that's available to you. Because if you eat of that, what does that mean? If you consume of that, if you allow that to be your sustenance, if you try to partake in that and allow that to be your provision, you will surely die. What if? Because I, now you agree with me or not? Jesus said, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you got eternal life, right? If, if, do you believe that it literally took you biting off a chunk of his bicep? Did anybody in here going to agree or disagree to that? I mean, I don't really, I'm sure he didn't say now, if you don't take a bite of my leg, you go back. I'm not so sure about that. See, I'm thinking of his theology. Because after all, your body will die anyway. But your spirit will live. Well, your spirit's going to live forever anyway. Don't get that, don't get that messed up in your head. Your spirit's it's either going to live in heaven or it's going to live in hell, but it's going to live. Just like everybody's going to go to heaven. I love messing with people like that. Because everybody's going to heaven. The great white throne judgment is where? It's in heaven. It ain't the discussion whether you're going to get there. It's the discussion whether or not you're going to stay. So I'm looking at I'm going, so what? It, maybe it wasn't even that. It was... It was this thing of them going out and trying to gain knowledge and understanding on their own and do their own thing, use their own ways and their own teaching. I mean, isn't it just, oh man, it's just like us. 
Because after, after a while, we've asked God, we've gone to church, we've tithed, we've done everything that we know to do that's according to God's word, and we have yet to see a breakthrough. How easy is it for us to begin to wane in our faith and begin to revert back to the ways that we've done it before? Because after all, it took care of me to this point. That's what happened with Orpah. I mean, she was on the road to Bethlehem. She was on her, man, she could have been sitting at the table of Boaz. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want to sit at the table of Boaz? Women, single, rich, looking for a good woman. Y'all line up at the door. I wonder how far they walked before she told them, turn around, go back. I wonder if it was a day journey. I think, well, just, I didn't actually punch in the calculations. I just kind of looked at a scale and kind of glanced down and went, eh, eh, I don't know, 30, 40 miles. Eh. From Moab to Bethlehem. Now, they didn't go straight across because they have to cross the Dead Sea. Oh, Whew. how about that? How about this? <laughs> I ain't living in Moab, but I ain't living in Bethlehem. I ain't going to church on Wednesday, but I'll go on Sunday. I ain't going to tithe, but I'll give offering. We want to live in the middle. Can I tell you what happens in the middle? The Dead Sea, baby. <laughs> Jesus said, God said, I'd much rather you either be hot or cold. If you're warm, I'm going to vomit you out. I just wonder, I wonder if this had anything to do with this decision in Ruth's mind when she said, there's something different about you, Naomi. I think I'm going with you. And Naomi said, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. I wonder if she would have turned around and kept saying, no, you better stay. No, you better stay. Or I wonder in this conversation of this time period that they traveled, I wonder how many times it hit Ruth's mind. Man, this is a long journey. Sure is quiet. Ruth ain't talking. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? Mm -hmm. God, this journey is getting a little long. <laughs> It's getting a little dry. I don't hear you. Are you going to talk to me? God, are you going to speak to me? And see, so many times we get hung up in a thing that God stopped talking because we done wrong. He's not your husband. See, your husband stopped talking to you when you done wrong. Won't they, baby? They just get mad. Zip a lip. Go to the other room before he does something stupid. And we, we've allowed that perverted teaching. Oh, come on, stick with me. We've allowed that perverted teaching to cause condemnation on our life because we're not hearing God. But maybe the last instruction, you've been walking it. 
He don't need to tell you nothing. It's just like your navigation in your car. Debbie tell you, I get, I get frustrated. I'll push the button just so I can hear. You still there? Hey, Siri. Hello. Still on the right road. We passed a couple exits where I was supposed to get off. Hello. We do that with God in our life, don't we? We, we keep going. And the, maybe the last instruction, man, you have been following that thing to a T. He hasn't had to pat your right cheek or your left cheek. He just lets you go. And we get that perverted teaching and we go, well, he must be mad and he must be and he must be and he must be and he And the next thing you know, you go and divert back to your ways. You start allowing what you used to do become your driver, to become your navigation, that perverted teaching. See, we want our marriage to work out. So we went and grabbed money and we said, Lord, bless our marriage. This is why I wasn't getting blessed. I was only throwing a dollar. But we, I'm not giving enough. I'm not doing enough. I'll never be perfect. I can't do this. And I blame the church because you look down your self-righteous nose at people that are struggling to come out. And you hold it against them because they've done something you wouldn't have done. Oh, you, Mr. and Mrs. Holy. That's why it's so hard. But see, when we make a decision to follow God, there's going to come times when God may become silent. He didn't talk to Abraham for like 13 years. Get you some of that one. Now Abraham's already left his home. He didn't have a baby with another woman. And God went zip. Get you some. What if? What if he would have had a perverted teaching and said, well, I just really messed that one up. Guess God ain't going to talk to me. I ain't going to get it. I'm done. Come on, don't y'all never done that? Man, why do I feel like I'm standing up here by myself this morning? I am? Come stand with me. But isn't that what we do? We just think that we can't correct it now. We've already messed up. And there's nothing we can do to change the fact. And God is silent at the moment. Because he remembered the word that you said to him. God, I love you so much, I'd do anything for you. And he says, oh, will you now? See, you got it. Every word will be tried out your mouth. You can't just tell God you love him. Because those words really mean nothing to him when it comes from you. Because he, you got to prove you. He's already proved his love. He didn't just say that he loved you. That ain't what he said. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's what he's waiting on you. He's waiting on your sacrifice. Because you know that happens in praise, right? It's the sacrifice of praise. That is your good and acceptable service. If he's saying that's acceptable, there's got to be something that's unacceptable too. Maybe like when it takes the preacher to say, well, come on, church, say amen. 
or the praise and worship. Now, come on, clap your hands. Man, when people got to draw you into praise God, that's not the praise and worship leader's job. Their job is not to get you into praise. Their job is to lead a congregation that is in their own individual praise and lead them corporately into the house of God. Too many times we want to wait. We got to wait on them. Praise worship leader. That, that, now we can clap. I ain't even got on my notes. Do we going? Are we going to go there? Tommy, give me that other scripture. I forgot which one I give you. Give me another one. I know I give you like five. Okay, thank you. This will help jog my memory. Did we see where Naomi reached back for Orpah or Ruth begged Orpah to go? Is that shown in Scripture anywhere? The only thing that I read was Naomi kissed her and she turned around and she went back. There's nothing indicating that Ruth clung to her, begging her to go. Ruth clung to Naomi. Somebody is sitting in here and you clinging to somebody that's trying to walk out your life. If they want to go and if they're able to walk out your life, let them go. Need scripture? Let me help you. They went out from us, but they were not one of us. That's why they left. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. If that person was meant to be in the destiny that God has already laid out for you to achieve, trust me, they can't leave. If they're willing to walk, let them go. And get over it. The last thing you want to do is hold on to some old rotten, decaying meat as you are traveling across the desert. Let go of it. Stop holding on to what's old. Let go of what's old so that it frees your hand up for what's new. Ruth said, I got to go. I'm coming with you. I don't care whether you talk or whether you don't. I'm going the whole way. And she went all the way back to Bethlehem, back to the atmosphere in which life was sustained. It's a good turnaround season for you. It's a good time for you to turn around and go back to what got you where you were. Because see, we'll get, God will get us there. And then we forget about who got us there. Now God goes, sits on the shelf until we need him. 
And then we reach for the genie. Because everything in our life has become way more important now. I got a good job, good paying, got me a hot woman. Got good, girl, you tell them, you, you witness about that. You got a good man. But we get all of these things, and the only reason that you got those things was because you were seeking him first. Come on, Bible readers. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. Are you looking for things? You're looking for the wrong thing. Look for him. Trust me. He'll keep... You'll trip over things. You will. You, you will get to the point you're going to scratch your head and try to figure out uh, where'd that come from? How did that happen? But when you get sidetracked and you begin to look at the things, and I didn't get to chapter two. That was part one B. <laughs> Maybe we'll do part two next week. That was part one B. Tommy, sorry. I just compiled all that into that one. I can't get out the first chapter. We talked about it last week, man. It's what decision are you making? Are you willing to make the decision to move on into Christ? Or do you want to revert to the old things? Because it's easier over there. See, I like to bring up denomination stuff all the time because denominations will box you if you're not careful. And you have to stay and live and experience God in this box. You might have a denomination that don't believe in speaking in tongues when that's your warfare, baby. You, be, you better find you a prayer language. You, you, <laughs> you better find, because everything that you're praying out your carnal self is probably falling, well, I ain't going to say it's falling on deaf ears because he don't sleep or slumber, but it doesn't really matter. It, most of the time, we, we praying, we praying for us. We ain't praying for the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows the heart of God. That's the one that needs to be talking to God about us on our behalf. You better find that language. You better, you better find that language. You better ask God for it. A lot of us don't have it just because simplified, we ain't asked for it. But there's, there's denominations that say that it's of the, it's of the devil. And you can't do that. That was for then and not for now. Now you live inside that box, you'll never experience the next level or the dimension in God that he has for you. I'm not saying that the, that's, I'm not saying they're bad. Uh, I'm just saying it's bad to live in a box. God tried to get out the box a couple times. Killed a man once. <laughs> right? Why do we keep trying to put him in? He wants us to grow in him. 
He can't grow in you. He's too big. He'll give you a little bit here and a little bit there. We're going to get up there. We're probably going to have a couple little pinches of salt. He said, this is all I was able to give you. And we thought life was full and overflowing. So what decisions are you making? Are you going to go back? Or are you going to try to move forward in God? You better stick in the word and you better stick in the praise. If you want God to be in your life, there has to be word and there has to be praise. If there's not, he doesn't abide there. Your problems and your issues, it's not that he's not concerned and he's not that he's not compassionate. He just doesn't abide there. God, it just don't feel like you, you helping me at all because all I hear is your complaints. Quit talking about the mountain. Talk to it. But he loves you. And he gives you an opportunity to make a decision. Now, where do you want to go with it? That's his question this morning. That's how we'll close. His question to you this morning is, will you follow me? No matter what. Even if I stop talking. No matter what. Because walking Christian... A Christian life, it's easier when you got the pastor constantly going, you can do it, 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 you can. Sometimes the pastor gets tired of talking. And you got to make up in your mind, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. No matter what. Listen, it, your life depends on it. I mean, if, if, if Satan was, was yeah, if he was ignorant enough to go to Jesus and request to sift Peter, do you think that he ain't requested to sift you? But thanks be to God, I serve a man that said, I pray your faith not fail you. And when you recover, because you're going you're gonna to fall. But he said, when you recover, go to your brothers and encourage them. See what you're going through right now? See, you have to make it. Oh, you have to make it. Now it gets good. You have to make going through what you're going through. You have to make it. Because there's somebody else that is getting ready to go through it. And guess what? Their life, their relationship... Their home, their children rely and depend on you because God has chosen you to come forth and to come out victorious so that you can go and encourage your friend so that your friend can make it out of what they're going through. But if you choose to give up now, not only are you messing with yourself, but you're messing with them. Do you love people more than you love yourself? <laughs> See, we're just so concerned about us getting through. Oh, yeah, I got I to gotta make it. I got to get through this. Why? Why? Because it's just, I just don't like it. Somebody else needs you to get through it. Somebody else requires 
They're going to pull from your strength. They're going to see how God changed your life. And then they're going to make that phone call and they're going to go, Rocky, I mean, I don't know. I know you said this, but I, how did you do it? How did you not just throw your hands up in the air and quit? What they don't know is I did spiritually. I threw my hands high in the air. I quit! I quit! <laughs> but they see the outcome. It wasn't that I just quit. I surrendered. That's right. The difference. difference. He said, if you'll humble yourself before me, I will elevate you before men. But if you'll elevate yourself, I'll humble you. Sorry, I'd much rather him elevate me than humble me. Because when he humbles you, it hurts, baby. You think you got it rough now. Go in with arrogancy before the king. You've got to come through. You've got to make that decision, and you've got to keep moving. Don't you dare give up. Life stinks. Life hurts, and life is life. There ain't nothing you can do to change life. But you can change everything on how you perceive life to be. Y'all good? We all right. All right, look. You want to hear chapter two, you're going to have to come back. Maybe. Hmm? By Facebook, by YouTube.